This is Jason Poblet with the Global Liberty Alliance. Welcome to another uh, podcast. Today's podcast is a little different. Uh, we're still coming to you, of course, from the great Commonwealth of Virginia, right across the river from uh, the federal Leviathan, uh, Washington, D.C., a few miles away from the Pentagon and our nation's great capital. But no guests. Today, you're just going to have a little narrative for me. I'm doing this because some of our listeners have been asking, what is it that uh, we're doing with respect to uh, a subject matter that we have been focused on the last few months, and it involves human trafficking, and they're trying to decipher what uh, the project's all about. We post all of this, of course, on the Internet, uh, even though the majority of our work is not really posted on, on online. Uh, this particular project is posted online. Uh, part of the reason is uh, information awareness. That's really a key part of combating human trafficking, forced labor, sex trafficking. It's a practice been around for centuries. Uh, you can trace it back to the Bible. And people have been doing this horrible thing to one another for a long, long time. Our great nation, of course, had a civil war where that was the uh, seminal issue. And really, it's um, people think it's not, most people have no idea it still happens. So awareness, we raise awareness. That's part of that campaign and why we post some of what we're doing in a very unique subset, a unique sliver of uh, the human trafficking global uh, battle. But keep in mind that it's an old issue. It's been around a long time. And I think, unfortunately, it's going to be around well beyond the, the time that we're on on this planet. But it doesn't mean that we turn away from it. Quite the opposite. We have to focus on it. And that's part of the reason why I'm recording this today, to give you more information. And I strongly encourage those of you interested in this topic to pick up the book. And those of you who've listened to me or seen some of my presentations before know that I'm always recommending this book. It's written by uh, Kurt Hauser. It's called Invisible Slaves, uh, The Victims and Perpetrators of Modern Day Slavery. And Mr. Hauser, who I've seen talk before here in Washington, um, he has an MBA from Stanford University. He's over, uh, I think this book was written at, at the Hoover Institute, or at least that's who published it. But he's an economist by background, and he's been interviewed widely. And his book is very well documented. It kind of brings in um, many economic theories that he doesn't go into, uh, but he does incorporate them into his work. And he provides a great reader on this global humanitarian crisis that will help put this in perspective. And one of the topics he, of course, talks about in his book is just talking about the issue, which I think we have to do. And we're going to do that today about a certain country right here in the Western Hemisphere that's doing it. Um, Modern-day slavery is, if you break it down by, by gender, it affects 55% women and girls are somehow trafficked in or slaves. 45% are men and boys. Uh, profits, it's quite gross, uh, the amount of money these people are making. Sexual exploitation, more than $100 billion or about $100 billion. And then you look at forced labor exploitation, uh, which is about um, 51 or so uh, billion dollars. If you look at the countries, and he does a great job of covering every region, and we're going to focus, of course, on the Western Hemisphere, but 
Uh, he breaks it down into the Middle East, Africa, Asia, and of course the New World, the United States. It happens here. There are slaves here in America. Uh, surprise. They may be in your hometown, and, and uh, you can uh, read up on that. I think you should. The subset, though, that we focus on is a form of forced labor that's been carried out by communist Cuba right here under our noses for quite some time. And it's something that will take another podcast to explain to you, but basically what they do, what the Cuban government has done, is they've taken the medical profession and weaponized it. And they've been doing this since the 1960s. And the idea behind it during the Cold War was to show their quote-unquote solidarity with the international movement, the international socialist movement, back then, of course, led by the Soviet Union and its proxy right here in the Western Hemisphere, of course, communist Cuba. And they went off and sent their doctors and nurses, physical therapists, dentists, pretty much anyone in their profession, to engage in what they call medical diplomacy. I think it's a misnomer. misnomer. Um, uh, I think it's a, uh, a form of a uh, – that is a form. It is a weaponization of humanitarian work. It's outrageous. It's been happening forever, and nobody says anything about it because they don't want to offend the Cubans for whatever reason. But it's, it's modern-day trafficking. It's forced labor, but it's more than that. It's taking something, a noble profession – that hundreds and thousands of doctors do from almost every country in the world, and I've seen it. I'm involved with an organization that has a lot of doctors in it. They do work all over the world, have been doing it for a lot longer than Cuba has been doing it, and nobody talks about it, and they don't want to talk about it because they do their work quietly, deliver the health care, and help people who need it, who have no access to health care, who are living in some of the poorest, most terrible places that need help, Cuba, of course, comes in and exploits it. Why? Well, that's what socialists do. They exploit misery. So on the one hand, they are out there supposedly saying they're helping people. But what they're doing is exploiting people at so many levels and trying to spread the gospel according to Lenin, Marx, Engels, Che, Castro, you name it. Because the Cuban Medical Mission Program is partly done to evangelize, again, the virtues of socialism. The people who make up these brigades, and they use that term, brigade, that should be a quick hint uh, for those of you who are in the military or have studied military history, what a brigade is. Uh, they send these brigades uh, to provide health care, but more so to talk about the virtues of socialism. So you come in for a checkup, maybe they take good care of you, maybe they don't. And then they give you a dose of socialism about Castro. It's all very subtle. Sometimes it's in your face. And if the doctors and nurses and medical professionals in these brigades don't do this, well, they, they, they may get in trouble. They get shipped back. Uh, there, there's back to Cuba, I mean. Uh, there are non-doctors on these uh, brigades, spies, members of the Communist Party, who keep an eye on the missions to make sure that its members um, 
you know, don't cavort with foreigners, uh, make sure they don't defect. It's kind of an extension of the way these people were raised. In Cuba, from cradle to grave, they're policing you. They're molding you ideologically. Uh, they keep an eye on you and your neighborhoods through this very elaborate network, a national network of the Committees for the Defense of the Revolution that takes the movement all the way down to the neighborhood level. So there's somebody in your neighborhood living a few homes away from you who is a member of the Communist Party and who's monitoring everything you're doing, looking at who's coming and going from your home. This is the main form of control they have on the island. Uh, they do everything from policing who you hang out with, who you uh, study with. If you invite people to your home for a Bible study, guess what? No, no. Uh, big demerit, and they um, report you to the Communist Party heads, and it's made part of your file. So it, these brigades are almost uh, an, an export of this watch system, and the people who make these up, doctors, nurses, dentists, uh, many different professions, um, are picked by the party. And by the time you graduate from their medical system, um, you know, their school, you've been pretty much brainwashed and or are a true believer, a fellow traveler, and only the people who are ideologically committed to the revolution are sent on these missions. So if you're a dissident, if you're a political, ex-political prisoner, or if you're a doctor like Dr. Oscar Elias Bisset, who uh, was given the U.S. Presidential Medal of Freedom, by President George W. Bush. Uh, he spent uh, decades in a Cuban prison. He was a doctor who exposed uh, the lies of the Cuban system mortality rates uh, because he found out that they were cooking the books. That's what communists and socialists do. They cook the books. They always said, oh, Cuba has such a great infant mortality rate. Of course, if you factor in you know, the abortions and the force uh, uh, forced uh, sterilization procedures. Uh, yeah, of course, you can cook the books anytime. And he, he dared expose that and some other things, and he spent a lot of time in jail for doing that. He, he, he would never be picked for a mission, of course, because of, he believes in God. He's a Christian. He's an independent thinker. He believes in science uh, backed by facts, and he exposed it. So he paid the ultimate price. That's not the people who go on these missions. So let's start with that. So these people go off on these missions and these brigades, and they are socialist, true believers, uh, hardcore supporters of the regime. And they're sent to many places all over Latin America, Guatemala, Mexico, Honduras, El Salvador. They go to Africa. And during the Cold War, uh, these people uh, were Part of the PR machine too. The, the communist government uh, made no; they, they they spared no expense. They went off and they promoted this all the time. Again, it's part of their foreign policy. It's to make something seem bigger than what it really is, and it's a form of uh, a warfare, which we'll talk about in some other show. But underneath all of this is the issue of force human labor, forced trafficking. These men and women, yes, they've been brainwashed. Some of them, maybe not. But they don't have a choice. When you're picked for this mission, by the time you are picked, 
a uh, young graduate, you are, I mean, think about it. When you were a young, if you're, if you're a, a somebody who went to college or, you know, somebody in your youth who wants to set out on your own to do whatever it was, uh, you, you, you have a certain view of the world. Maybe you're not as jaded as some other people, and you really think you're going to go off and do something great. But you've never been exposed, though, in the case of these doctors, nurses, and other medical professionals to the free world. You have no idea what that's all about. And when these people are sent off on these missions, some of them have an awakening, especially now, after the Cold War, well beyond the end of the Cold War, and as more information is made available about uh, these programs, people are waking up. And that's part of what we're doing. We're trying to wake up not only the people on these missions, but our allies, our people in the, in, in the region who contract for these services. And when we come back, take a quick break, I'll talk to you about how these contracts are set up. These doctors do not have free will. These are not contracts where you have a chance to read and negotiate what you will be paid, how you will be paid. It's quite the opposite. Uh, for those lawyers of you out there, it's, you know, these are contracts of adhesion. You take them or leave them. You can't leave them because if, if you decide not to do it, then that's not, that goes against you, and it's checked off in your file, and it can create problems for you. So you take these contracts as they are given to you, and you do not get to negotiate your pay. You do not get to negotiate uh, the terms of travel or anything like that. You will go as you're instructed by the party. And here is where the sinister stuff comes in, in addition to the ideological fight that they're waging around the world with the help of the Russians and the Chinese and the facilitating governments that help them do this. It's this element that we are focused on. So when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about that and give you some links so you can read more about this program. Hello, fellow Liberty Warriors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way uh, to make a podcast. It's free uh, for starters. There's also uh, an awesome creation tool. If you don't want to hire a producer right away, you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone, right from your computer, anywhere you are, at any time. It uh, distributes for you, so that's really important. Once you record this, you need to get it to the right platform. They will do that for you, including on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast. It's all in one place. It's very easy to use. So give Anchor a try. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm to get started. All right. So... They go off on these missions and they plan in different countries. You know, the, 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 the Communist Party strategically picks where they're going to send these people and then they send them out, these, these doctors. Um, really, it's tough to figure out how these programs work because all this is secret. It's very difficult to get information, even from the doctors, those that had defected, and I know many of them, some of them are in Miami, some of them are in Spain, 
Some of them are in Latin America. Some are even in Africa. And they, and they share a lot of stories, but it's tough to get the actual records. Well, that's what we've set out to do and some other groups have set out to do. And in several countries, at least the Global Liberty Alliance and what we're doing, uh, we've gone into Uruguay. We've gone into Brazil. We've been in Brazil doing some work with some great lawyers uh, since last year. Honduras. Uh, now we're starting a project in Guatemala. We're talking to folks in Mexico. And we work with lawyers on the ground to first start getting our hands on the records. That's part of the battle right there. And in Uruguay this week, which is what prompted us to do this podcast, we had uh, an interesting development uh, rooted in some of the work that we're doing. You know, after several months this year, in July uh, this summer, we filed a complaint with Uruguay's National Institute of Human Rights and the Budsman's Office. They have an actual entity, a uh, freestanding entity in Uruguay that focuses on uh, defense of fundamental rights, human rights. It's basically their human rights agency. And what we we're asking for is very simple. And the work done by the lawyer down there, Sabrina uh, Palais, she's awesome. She's done a phenomenal uh, uh, litigation strategy, and we're going to have her on the show uh, soon. But what she designed and what we worked on was a just a compelled release of records. That's all we wanted, of contracts and records related to these relationships that Uruguay has with the Cuban ministries because that information was not public. Now, there were a smattering of records that we found out there, but not a lot. So very similar to Freedom of Information Act in the U.S., uh, they, they, they started to respond. In fact, they responded much faster than I thought they would have responded. And we, we started to see uh, patterns in some of the records we were shown. And you can see these on the Internet, by the way. They're all public. Most of them are public. And we'll put a link on this podcast so you can download them and read them. But what happened yesterday, uh, the day before yesterday, was fascinating. For the first time, I think, ever, and we're fact-checking this, the government of Uruguay decides, and their, their Social Security office decides to tell the Cubans that moving forward, they are going to have to start producing invoices Go figure. Invoices for what they're billing uh, at an eye institute. It's an eye, eye center that uh, has been operating down there for a bit. And that's some of the information that we're asking for. So makes sense if you sign an agreement with a company, in this case a country, to provide you services that you invoice for what you're billing. And if you look at the agreements that we were able to pull, about 100 records, we have the general accords, the guidelines of, of the relationship, but everything else as far as the money is very sketchy. We're going to pay X amount of money, several million bucks, but very little is provided about what you're actually doing for that. What What's that money going to be used for? How is it going to be spent? Well, the interesting part of this is that prior to the Uruguay litigation effort, and we're doing this in other countries, not the exact same strategy. We're not going to telegraph to the enemy what we're doing, but they're not going to see it coming. And we are going to expose this in several places in many different ways. Is that what, what, what you don't see is the relationships of the doctors and the Cuban doctors and the ministries and how they're paid and not paid. But what we do have 
is a lot of anecdotal and uh, some factual, uh, circumstantial to a lot of evidence from doctors that's been collected by many groups, uh, some that we're working with, about how this program works. And we know for a fact that these medical professionals never negotiate, like I said in the first segment. These are contracts. You're forced to take them, like it or not. You also never get to negotiate your salary. The salary is negotiated for you. Of course, it's, it's the communists. This is the way socialists uh, do it. Uh, so any anytime you hear in America this business about universal pay and all that nonsense, uh, that's very dangerous thinking. And uh, uh, we, you have to think back. The individual has to be in control, not the state, not a third party. Individual negotiates what he or she gets paid. That, and depending on what the market, of course, is drawing, the individual is free to accept it or not. Well, that's not what happens with these contracts, these these agreements, the modern-day, frankly, forced labor agreements. Another thing that's very curious about this is that pay is withheld. We know from the from from facts uh, and, and evidence has been collected over the years that the Cuban doctors maybe get 10 to 20 percent of what's supposedly negotiated. The rest of it is held back in Cuba. Still pretty good money. Uh, they make several thousand a month, a few hundred to several thousand a month, depending on the country. When you think that the average income in Cuba is a sad 20 to $30 a month, it's a pretty good deal. But again, keep in mind, this is the elite of the system. This is the vanguard. This is the these are the socialist warriors that have been molded carefully in the island gulag. That's why they're out there. They're out there because the party says it's a privilege for them to be out there. So, of course, they have to sweeten it a little bit. But the pay is still not all that much, 500 to to 1000 bucks, 2000 bucks a month maybe in some cases. But we haven't been able to find a, a high threshold for the services provided based on market-based economics, what doctors around the world make. So it's take it or leave it, and they take and dock your pay. Something else they also do, they take away your passport. So when you land in one of these countries, the head of the mission, the brigade, they, they call them juridicos. Uh, I'm not sure why they call them that, but they're spies. They're not doctors. They take away your passport. They tell you where to live. They tell you where to go, where not to go. There's a curfew. In some cases, you can't even interact with foreigners. All that's closely policed. And you basically need to keep your schedule of work, not get involved in politics. The only politics you are allowed to talk about is the politics that the party says you will talk about. And if you stray from that, they hold it against you. Something else they do to you is that you start getting too free-minded and you start making demands. They'll threaten you and they'll threaten your family. They'll threaten your family back in Cuba. They'll make problems. Remember those committees for the defense of the revolution, those neighborhood police people? They may pay a visit to your wife, your son, your kid, who knows? They'll just find ways to uh, deploy their systemic persecution that's built into the system. And once your loved one tells you they visited, uh, you kind of get the message, behave, or they're going to make problems for you. So it's total control, total situational control. This is not free labor. It's a form of forced labor. In some cases, we believe it's slavery. And that's the project that we're going about documenting. And we're very happy that in Uruguay, the Uruguayan government is starting to push back on this, uh, frankly, scam, this corrupt scam, and force at least, it's a first step. It's not really the optimal and only step, but it's a first step in 
trying to unmask and raise awareness, which is what we aim to do here. It's one of the big missions um, of, of our of our organization is to unmask the harm uh, that's happening, the, the the crime we believe that's taking place in several countries, because it is a global humanitarian problem and it's right here in our hemisphere. And this is happening, my friends, in many countries. Um, and by the way, these medical professionals are not all bad people. Uh, some of them are great people. And when they're out here, it's when they have that big reawakening I was telling you about. They spend a few years working in even some of the most poorest and horrible of places you can imagine uh, in the Western Hemisphere. And there are some that are really horrible. And they see how free people are. And they see that people are not controlled the way they are controlled in Cuba. And that's when they have their coming. That's when they have their arrival. That's when they figure out, wow, there's life outside the gulag. And um, I'm being taken advantage of. So I know Cuban doctors and nurses and others listen to this uh, because we've had a lot of feedback from Cuba and feedback from people in places around the world who've heard this, these programs or following what we're doing in Uruguay and other places. And I encourage them to reach out. There's a lot of contacts on our website. Uh, there's friends of ours on the island who send us information. And there's people in other places. You can do it anonymously. You can do it however you want. Please contact us and tell us your story so we can put you in contact with the right people so you can tell your side of the story but also help contribute to this unmasking and hopefully put in motion a justice process because that is what we're ultimately trying to do, not only unmask it but make it harder for the regime to do it and also the governments in the hemisphere, and this is what we'll talk about in the last segment, um, uh, stop doing it. For Pete's sake, why do you keep doing this? Because we're keeping an eye on you too. See, this is not really a beat up on Cuba project, even though we are going to go after the people who do this sort of thing, the, the traffickers and the, uh, the people who are profiteering off, off this program illegally. But what about our allies right here in the Western Hemisphere and why do they keep doing this right under our noses and why not work with this administration I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's Trump, Obama, it doesn't really matter. This administration has put it in the forefront. And Obama's people, by the way, did do some work generally on human trafficking. So it's not as if they were not focusing on it. They did focus on it. Uh, but we had a golden opportunity to put pressure on Cuba back when Obama went to Cuba and historically opened the embassy and did all that other stuff, most of it nonsense. Uh, uh, but we didn't say a word about it. We like to pretend it wasn't even happening. Um, we could do better today. And part of that doing better is our allies. Now, why the heck are you guys doing that? And that's why we're focusing on them too. We, we're not just focusing on what the Cubans are doing. We're focusing on these contracts. We're going to find where the Cubans are working. We're working with other lawyers and independent civil society groups in Cuba, but also around the world who are committed to unmasking this and seeing what allies are doing and not doing. So when I come back for the last segment, I'm going to tell, uh, tell you a few places you can go to learn some more about this and also why it matters to us as Americans. All right. Here we are, last segment, last segment of Jason Solo. Uh, 
I, uh, I hope you've enjoyed what we've talked about. And I, again, encourage you to buy the book Invisible Slaves by Kurt Hauser, published by the Hoover Institute. We'll provide a link in the podcast, so go look at it. I encourage you to also download and read, if you want, the complaint we filed in Uruguay earlier this year that's already leading to some interesting developments. And we have a few more things coming in Uruguay. We're not done there yet. Far from it, we're just starting. And those of you who are lawyers know how the gears of justice move slowly, as they should, but we are on a mission to unmask, account, hold to account, and hopefully help those people who are being trafficked in uh, find a better way out of this mess than the one they are in now. So why does this matter to any of us? You know, Why should any of us care about this thing? Well, those of you who know me know what happens in the Western Hemisphere is much more important to the well-being and security of America than anything else happening practically anywhere else in the world. So for those of us who care about illegal immigration, well, guess what? This issue goes to that issue. If people are trafficked in, and they are being trafficked in in many ways, not just this sliver of, of the Cuban forced labor program, but uh, there's uh, women and young boys, uh, young girls and young boys sex trafficked in Central America. Uh, the gangs and the cartels, drug cartels, they traffic in humans. It's issues that uh, there's a podcast that we did a few months ago about the drug dealing and uh, how it's impacted us in the region and come right into southern Virginia. Uh, I'll put a link there, too, so you can listen to that. All of this is connected. This is a criminal enterprise. It's a global criminal enterprise. And as as Mr. Hauser tells us in his book, there are more people trafficked in today than there were at the time, at the beginning of the founding of the greatest country on earth, the United States of America. Uh, so it's a problem, and you have to raise awareness. It's happening everywhere, and it's happening right here in the Western Hemisphere. So it's important that you share with friends, you learn about it, and for those of you who pay close attention to what's happening just 90 miles away, take some time to, and, and, and care about this issue deeply, take some time to learn about the Cuban Medical uh, Brigade program. It's not what the Cubans make it out to be. They weaponized uh, health care. Uh, they ha have used people uh, to advance their socialist agenda, to undermine U.S. national interest, U.S. national security, they're out there causing problems for our friends and our neighbors in the region. Uh, the Russians helped them, all right? The Chinese helped them. And just because it sounds good and they see people in white lab coats coming out of airplanes with a Cuban flag doesn't mean it's a good thing. And I think our allies, not just in Latin America but in Europe, who applaud the, these missions are hypocrites. They're, they're hypocrites or ignorant people or Worse, they are people who are facilitating. I think anybody who praises these missions, uh, they're helping uh, advance forced labor, and they should stop, especially if you're in the government, educate yourself and understand that this is not uh, as noble uh, of, a, of a program as the socialist Cubans make it out to be. It's quite the opposite. It's something that's exploited not only the people on these brigades, but also uh, exploits uh, the people receiving health care sometimes because it's not just health care they're being given, they're being fed 
these false propagandas uh, about uh, socialism and about you know negative negative things. I know they say about the United States free markets and the rule of law. So thank you all. Look, I'm, I I could keep going, but I want to keep this thing short. I'm going to provide some links at the end of this podcast for you to read. Please take some time to look at this and send us your comments. Keep listening. Share the uh, share the posts, uh, the podcasts, and um, we'll talk to you all next week.